I'm Joe. My mum's name is Aileen, and you're listening to My Mum Missed Marvel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a collection of 23 films, which have grossed a combined total of over $22.5 billion at the box office alone. It's the largest film franchise of all time, and has been a big part of my life for the past 11 years. For my mum, not so much. Well, well, well. If it isn't mum, I thought I'd see you here. <laughs> if that is your real name, mum. What do you think what do you think you're playing at turning up to the podcast that we both do? You wanted to talk about a Marvel film? <laughs> We'd be quite nice, yes. Yeah, okay, that sounds good to me. Uh welcome to my mum missed Marvel, everyone, the podcast in which my mum Hello. Yeah, nice job, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> and I speak about every film in the MCU in order. We've only got three left, Mum. We're basically at the end. Three left. I know. I thought yeah. we'd only two left. I thought we had there's Captain a... Marvel and then Endgame. Mm-hmm. Is there there's like after a little cool Endgame? down. There's a little cool down film after that. Oh, yeah. Well, we need it. I know. Will we need? <laughs> you suggesting that we get to the end of the MCU and just skip the last film? No, I meant, did they feel that they had to then produce a cool down one because everybody was in such a state of high tension? Ah. That's what I was meaning. It's, uh, who knows? Maybe. It's possible, Mum. I mean, these are all hot takes that we can be uh, spitting out when we actually get to that film. But this week... Hot we're... takes we can be spitting out. Right, carry on. This is, this is cool young person lingo. <laughs> if I say anything that sounds stupid or you know, makes me look like an idiot, assume it's cool young person lingo. <laughs> yes, but anyway, this week we are watching Captain Marvel, a film that we've mentioned a few times on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Yep, I do know. I do know Captain Marvel's a woman. That much I know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do, do know because you you've told who... me several times who played <laughs> it. No, I don't know who yeah? the actress is. No, have you told okay. me? Okay. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it. It might have been cut out of a couple of episodes because they got a little bit long. But I think I've mentioned it before. But we are in the intro of it now, so this is a good time to start recapping stuff like this. So Captain Marvel is starring Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. And the directors are Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. So, the main thing going into this film, because again, we can't recap any characters or anything like that, is I think just to set the lay of the land just a touch of okay. what was happening around this film coming out. Right. So, it's an interesting kind of puzzle, Captain Marvel, because it's got a bunch of quote-unquote controversy around it, mm-hmm. but... Most of that controversy I don't think really is controversy, but it's kind of wrapped up in a bit of a strange package. So I think the two main parts of it are, first of all, this is a female-led superhero film. It's the Mm -hmm. first one in the MCU, and it's one of the first ones overall. DC had made Wonder Woman a little while beforehand, which got mixed reviews. It's probably the best film in the DCEU, but that's not saying loads. Okay. Or the best film that I've seen, at least. So a lot of the controversy surrounding this one, Captain Marvel, was, I think, can be chalked up to just idiot white men who just are making a fuss over nothing, who don't like the idea of women leading films and women not smiling in the... Yeah, I mean, there was a crazy thing about, like, she doesn't smile enough in the trailer, which was just, you know, 
a ridiculous oh, point and immediately you know people kept on saying like she should be smiling on the posters and everything oh, which dear. led to some funny photoshops of all of the stoic men on the posters having weird smiles photoshopped yeah. onto them which is pretty <laughs> funny stuff so i think the majority of it can probably just be put down to the fact that you know people are probably uh, white white men specifically are probably a bit too used to their positions of privilege and okay. you know so some male, people are a bit male... more the male chauvinists weren't too happy about it all. Yeah, no, this wasn't a win for the chauvinists at the beginning of this, right. hearing that it was getting made. The second part of it is more specifically TV. to do with Brie Larson. And as someone that doesn't really follow celebrity stuff very much, I don't feel super qualified to talk about it. As far as I can see, Brie Larson is someone who is interested in using her fame and her position as a cool superhero to champion good issues like greater representation of people of colour and women of colour and things like that. And she's quite outspoken about it. So that's obviously going to rub, mm. rub some idiots up the wrong way, but she's doing good stuff with mm -hmm. her fame and her platform, it seems. Yeah. The only wrinkle in it I can see is that she seems to be kind of inflammatory is that a thing that makes sense she she kind of she comes at things quite hard when she does this and that what, deliberately inflammatory the you mean then she's i'm not she's, entirely she's sure provoking a response deliberately i well i, I wouldn't want to say either way like i say i don't really follow this stuff very much i've seen a couple of interviews where it seems like she does take a statement wrong on purpose when it seems quite innocuous but at the same time I'm not entirely sure. She she oh. is doing this in order to make good points and try and champion good issues. So one could say that, you know, to upset the status quo, maybe you do need to be a little bit rocking the boat. Or but... maybe women are just judged by harsher standards, you know, like, you know, women women are bossy, but men are the boss. That's... There you go. I may well look into Brie Larson then before we have our, our post-film discussion and see whether I've got a view on that as well. She's an interesting character. I mean, you know, fair dues to her. She does stuff. Like, she, she's not just a celebrity that turns up in films and everything. For, mm -hmm. for good or ill, she, act, she says things that she believes in. And I think that's something that you've right. got to respect. My only experiences of seeing Brie Larson before this, because she's been around for a while, was in Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, where she plays, uh, like, super over-the-top, like, very... Not really evil, but, you know... Um, she's Scott's ex-girlfriend that he can't get over and everything and she's like quite cold and stuff she's hilarious in that film really really good and in 21 Jump Street I think she was in um, I don't remember her much from that but essentially I just knew her from Scott Pilgrim so okay. my baseline for her is yeah pretty That's good she was fun positive. Scott Pilgrim yes. <laughs> you're favourably inclined to start with yes the part that kind of makes all of this again quote unquote controversy interesting is that then the film came out and received pretty mixed reviews. And I, without saying too much, I think it's fair to say that a lot of these mixed reviews probably aren't just from people who are idiots and bombing the film because it stars okay. a woman. So, yeah, it's it's an odd one. We'll, we can talk more about impressions of the film afterwards. I've been looking forward to seeing it again and seeing if the feeling I had walking out of the cinema is what I get again. Mm. I mean... You know, maybe just going in with slightly lower expectations again might help out like it has with some of the Thor films and stuff. Mm. 
it's also worth saying that at this point, my expectations for Marvel films were probably a little bit too high <laughs> based on the ones that had been coming out recently. So mm. part of it might have been that, but okay. I guess we'll just have to see when we dive in. Yeah, okay. I'll be interested to see your view as well then afterwards. Yep. Yeah. So this has basically just been a lot of prep for what we're going to be talking about after the break. Okay. I guess I should probably do the obligatory, do you know anything about Captain Marvel before we go in? I think you did that before in one of the previous podcast episodes and all I could all I could tell you about Captain Marvel was that there was a wee symbol on mm-hmm. uh, Fury's pager. There you go, that's good to recap. Thanks for getting us back on track, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> Which was the Captain Marvel symbol and I didn't recognise it as such. There was. So you don't know anything about the character no. or the film going I, into it? Though. No, I don't know anything about the character. I'm assuming that Captain Marvel was originally, or in the comics, was it was male, I'm assuming. Was it, or, no. Or, no? Was always female? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, right. I think her name might have been Miss Marvel or Ms. Marvel oh, back okay. in the day. So this is, not, this is not white men getting annoyed by um, the fact that they've switched the gender of a superhero. Cause oh, no, I think it's just literally... Always, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just they had no bloody right to be in, you know. Leading yeah, any it's it's just film. breaking the right, twenty okay. film streak or the nineteen film streak or whatever <laughs> it was that I think annoyed these people. Oh dear. So, did you know of any of the controversy surrounding the film? Did you hear anything about it when it was coming out? Nothing whatsoever. No, nope, nothing at all. Okay, cool. That so this you? is a. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. I just feel like I should ask because the one time I don't ask, you're going to be like, oh, no, I heard this I interesting yeah. thing and have an yeah. opinion on it. No, I don't know anything about this film whatsoever. I, As I say, I didn't even know that she was a woman and, until halfway through this podcast. Okay, series. so a true a true episode of My Mum yeah. Missed Marvel in which we're going Absolutely. in completely blind. Absolutely. Loving it. Good. Right. Well, I'm pretty much happy to get in. I'm two-thirds okay. of the way through a pizza, and I'm looking forward to finishing it off whilst we watch the film. <laughs> okay. See you on the other side, Mum. See Mom. you on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. We're fresh off a lovely two-hour family Zoom call where we looked through some photo albums, Mum. How do you like that? Yes, I, w- I thought it was quite interesting. Um, they were all jumbled up, so it was slightly confusing. A little bit like the plot of this film. Oh, wow. Good job, Mum. I, I had a segue planned and everything, but that might have been better. I was going to say, did you enjoy it more or less than Captain Marvel? <laughs> so we've just watched Captain Marvel a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. What were your impressions? Well, first female-led superhero film, and it wasn't a dodo. So um, without further ado... Fantastic. It's getting a ding. It's getting a ding for that alone. In general terms, what was it that you liked about it then? I liked the fact that Captain Marvel was a woman. I liked mm-hmm. the fact that she was given decent powers. You know, when it first started, I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be, oh, no, it's going to be this close combat stuff again. She's just going yes. to be like another, you know, Black Widow. And she'll have, you know, she'll be really good at kicks and flicks and, you know, doing somersaults. <laughs> oh, no, how boring. But actually, it wasn't that. So Yeah, you, you said that right at the beginning. And I think maybe a minute or two afterwards, she blasted someone with a big yeah. photon beam powers. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made an audible sound of uh, of relief. So, yes, a, de- a decent female superhero. As mm-hmm. I say, that alone just say, gives it a tick. So that's fine. That's very true. There were a few things about it that I was a bit confused about, but hey, nothing new there. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I thought the plot line 
was was a bit confusing as well at times. Yeah. I'm not sure whether that was just me being particularly thick or whether it could have been better handled. I think I agree with you on that one. I, I don't think that's you being thick there. I, I've got some things to say about the plot as well, but carry yeah. on. It was just slightly convoluted at times, and I thought they could have done yeah. it better. Okay. I quite liked how they switched, though. I like how you can uh, you started off on the side of the Cree, and then actually, mm-hmm. and and the scroll were the baddies, and then actually you switched. You know, so I quite liked how they kind of took you. To... Ah, that switch. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was going to say I think I disagree with you, but I think you're talking about a different switch than I am. The, right. the Cree switch around is a nice little uh, plot point, I think. That's a nice twist. Yeah, yeah, I quite liked that. Some of some of the little the kind of mini stories, the little vignettes, were quite good, but some of them actually didn't really hmm. work for me. Yeah. I thought, oh, well, I'm not getting too much into the, the detail of it here. <laughs> But I'll just say this now, I was totally weirded out by the young Nick Fury. And I ah, couldn't, you think it, that didn't work? Oh, God, I couldn't work out why it, it, I just thought it was so weird. And it was only afterwards when I, I was looking I was looking for something in Wikipedia and it, at, and it said he was digitally de-aged. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, God, well, that's what it is then. It just was creepy. I just didn't... Just oh, didn't right. Like so you... you... <laughs> Knew that there was something wrong there. You knew that there was some yeah. uncanny valley stuff going on, but you didn't put that on. I, I don't, I'm just no I'm aging bit, down CGI. I'm a bit slow because I, I know they've done it in other films, and they they also aged up what's her face. Yeah, not Peggy, Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I I, I should have realised that's what it was, but I just thought Samuel L. Jackson looked weird. Speaking of Peggy Carter, actually, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that you liked this one, Mum, because by your definition, it involves messing with time, messing right? Because time it's set up. in the past. Oh, don't remind me that. And it involves people going forwards through time. No, I didn't express myself right in that discussion. <laughs> I'd like to forget all about that previous one, please. We'll move swiftly on then. <laughs> Before we get into your recap of the film, mm-hmm. I generally agree with you. I think I like it. I, I was really hoping that I'd like it more this time, but I left this film with a similar feeling as I did the first time walking out of the mm-hmm. cinema of I'm not entirely sure why I didn't enjoy that more. Some parts of it just don't really work for me, and I think there are a few too many parts that don't work that, right. I don't know, it just kind of sours my opinion of it a little bit. Watching it again was nice because it reminded me of how much fun stuff there is in the film. I'd mainly been thinking about the problems, and there's there's a decent amount more fun to be had with the film than I was properly remembering, but I'm still not uh-huh. sure. I think this would be like your uh, Doctor Strange rating or something where it's like on the balance, but uh-huh. just not not quite there to get the ding from me if I uh, had a ding. Oh, well, it's definitely getting a ding from me anyways. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly not give it a ding given that I've been complaining so much in, in the past yes. about female characters. To, to be very upfront about this i know this is an awkward position for i I feel very awkward (laughs) being in this position being a straight white man now about to try and bring up some problems with the first mcu superhero film that's led by a woman absolutely no problem with that just uh yeah there's some plot and character stuff that i'm not entirely sure about in this one okay well i'm quite interested to hear your take on it then because as i said to you just after the film i think I had thought on this podcast generally that mm-hmm. it would be a lot of us disagreeing with each other. 
I thought, yeah. you know, it would yeah. be, these are all action films. I won't like them. Joe loves them. <laughs> we'll just be arguing all the time. And that's where the tension will come from. And that'll be the entertainment. And yeah. then as it's kind of, as it's turned out, as we've gone through all the films, it turns <laughs> out that mostly we violently agree with each other. <laughs> It, it's funny that you um, that you say that you know you thought this was going to be it right from the beginning because I very much thought I was coming into this through the lens of I'd like to get Mum to watch the Marvel films. I think she'll like them. <laughs> like that even when you signed up for doing the podcast, you still thought you wouldn't actually enjoy them all. <laughs> well, I expected a bit. I expected a bit more tension and right, disagreement sure. yeah. than than has actually transpired. So when you told me that you had issues with this film or that you thought there were issues with this film I yeah. was all ready to defend it I mean I, I, immediately after the film was finished because I did think you yeah. must just be yeah. being a oh he's just being a white male from a position of privilege I feel like in that you... case you were you, you underreacted a little bit then, <laughs> if, that, if you thought that was the case <laughs> but I said to you and then I said to you um, so what 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 is your main issue with this film then and then you told me. I don't me, think you said that. You're going to go into an issue that isn't my main I issue. I think it's a small issue, but yes, we have had a brief I would, chat I about this yet, film already, yeah. fans. But, I know one or two of the things that Mum already thinks. But then when you told me what the issue was, one of your main issues was, and I thought hmm. about it and I thought, oh, flaming Nora. He's actually right. You know, that <laughs> that I agreed with. That, yet again, I ended up um, agreeing with you on something. <laughs> However, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that yet because I think that's... Yeah, if you'd like to find out what that point was, you'll have to wait until after the <laughs> recap. Mum, if someone hasn't seen Captain Marvel in a while, what happens in the film? Okay. Well, as I've already alluded to, we, we meet two alien species, the Kree and the Skrull. Skrull. I yeah. think we've met both of them before, haven't we? I mean, they have actually come up in different We've met the Kree. And... We haven't met the Skrull. Okay. Oh, we're not meant because they're the shift, the shapeshifters, the scroll of the shapeshifters. Film? I mean, there's a small chance that I'm forgetting this even after rewatching the films five times. No, maybe not. Do you remember which one they're in? No, I don't. I, I meant there to are green people in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't think yeah, they're in the scroll. Okay. Anyway, right. But we have met the Kree because we also had met Ronan before, and Ronan appears in this film as That's well. That's true. Yeah, Ronan has a right. little cameo. Okay. Anyway, we basically start on the planet Hola. Hala, hola, something like that. No anyway, clue. Sorry, and we I don't see this. That. We see this young woman whose name apparently is Vers, being trained by some sort of Cree master played by Jude Law, um, mm -hmm. and basically the kind of point of the training is that she's got to learn to control her emotions. And her yes. power, so she's got power, but she's letting her emotions get into it too much. So that the energy, the, the energy seems to kind of be in her hands and her arms, but she's got to control her emotions in order to be able to use the power, something like that. Yeah, I think the idea is that they've told her that they've put a little chip on her neck, and that's what's given her the powers. Okay. And you've got to learn to control yourself, otherwise. Well, we'll you take see, the that wasn't away. clear to me. That wasn't clear to me either. Anyway, I that think was that's the, the idea. Right. Okay. So anyway, there's kind of a there's a kind of a master apprentice training session um, mm -hmm. going on, and Vers keeps getting these flashbacks, but she can never quite remember. You know, she can't she can't piece them together. So it seems to be memories, but she can't she can't quite get hold of them and keep them. Mm -hmm. There's something called the 
almighty one, the great superior one. What's it? The superior. Uh, supreme. Supreme, supreme intelligence. The supreme, supreme intelligence. intelligence. That's right. That's it. And when you go to see the supreme intelligence, it appears to you as a character that's really important to you. And so she keeps seeing yes. this woman, this older woman, who oh, I'm not quite clear when we find out, but anyway, it ends up <laughs> that she was her flying instructor before. Yes. So the Cree go on a mission. So she goes on a mission with her master trainer and some others to go and save someone who's infiltrated the Skrulls. Yes. Who are shapeshifters. And she gets captured. And they're a race that's at war with the Cree. Yeah. Yes, they're at, uh, they're at war with her. So Vers gets captured by Talos, who's one of mm-hmm. the Skrulls. And she ends up in Earth. I'm not quite sure how she ends up in Earth. She breaks free, fights them off, ship starts crashing. Oh, wow. And they, she, they, she... Were, they were the ones that did their... They did some mental stuff to her. They were kind of like interrogating her through her memories almost they were trying to find this lady that Vers sees when she sees yeah, so the they were supreme intelligence trying to find her too that's right on earth so they were orbiting earth and so uh, so that's Vers why they ended up to earth. okay yeah. so she she ends up in earth and here we come across shield mm-hmm. so a young nick fury and son of call <laughs> Agent Coulson's back. That was Ray. a good callback that you made when you were watching it. That really made me laugh. <laughs> and somebody else who's Fury's boss as well. Yeah, I think he's new to this film. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, there's some F- S.H.I.E.L.D. agents around, but it's clearly set sometime in the past because Nick Fury's very young, mm-hmm. apparently, supposedly, in an icky sort of way. <laughs> At some point, she gets her memory back. I've forgotten how that happens as well. <laughs> um, um, so there's also Skrull agents on Earth, and she's kind of like trying to track down the Skrull agents and ends up sort of forming an alliance with Nick Fury, mm-hmm. who finds out about the Skrulls and realises that he can't really trust anyone else, and so they they form this kind of buddy cop alliance type uh-huh, of relationship right, yeah. and they're kind of going across the country trying to find out who this lady is they have a lead on something called pegasus which is something to do with that's right uh, the, pr- the lady pegasus yeah yeah and they're essentially just trying to stop the scrolls and they're traveling from place to place doing research and things and, and carol uh-huh. keeps on finding uh Viz keeps on finding <laughs> clues you know like she's she's in the background of a photo but the photo's on earth and she's yeah. a cree what's what's happening in all yeah, of this yeah yeah, yeah. And they go, they go and meet up with an old friend of hers who was a, an old flying pal. Yep, who's called Rambo, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan of the character choice to just name the character Rambo. <laughs> Spelt differently, presumably. I also, I'm pretty sure that's not a nickname. That is her surname. Yeah, and her daughter, uh, and yep. her daughter. And there's quite there's quite a lot going on with the squirrels because they're shapeshifters and there's a way you mm-hmm. can try and work out who's whether you know this is the person you think you're talking to or whether it's a squirrel. Yep. So there's quite a lot of that going on as well. Mm-hmm. But eventually they get when they get to where our friend lives, Talos turns up, and he explains that the squirrel are actually refugees. Yeah, and I think. Vers's own old boss um, had been trying to help them to escape to set up home somewhere. Is that right? Yes. The 
lady who she sees when she visits the Supreme Intelligence, who she finds out was a scientist who was She's designing and making. Yes, Lawson. She's designing and making aircraft and engines and science fiction stuff. Yes. And she had invented, uh, or oh, what did they call it? A light speed drive, I think. A light speed which, engine. A light speed yeah, it has engine. been pointed out as kind of silly because they all move faster than light with their warping anyway, so anyway. it would actually significantly uh-huh. slow them down. But <laughs> yes, she's made a light speed drive. And that's what they're all after. Um, yes. This, this, they're all after this light speed engine thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think it's around this time that Veer's also gets the full or you know close to full i think it's also around this time that veers also mostly remembers who she is and what her yes. past is how does that ha- well let's come back onto that i later. can't remember the exact moment but i think it's just seeing the photo jogged something and then after a bit of time she kind of started to remember more and more and so now she has a pretty clear idea of who she is so that's right you can so fill in yeah. yeah, so she she works out basically that she and her friend Rambo were kind of pupils of Lawson's, or at least were. They looked up to her, you know, as yeah, a yeah. They were the ones engineer. that would test her. They would test aircraft. her her aircraft, and the, so they were going up on a mission once, and Veers took the plane up, and it was going to crash, and she managed to crash land it. It was getting attacked by like an alien ship. Oh, I was getting attacked. She managed to crash land it. She then tries to destroy it. So had Lawson told her to destroy it if somebody to, or was it to stop the other people getting it? Yeah, Lawson tries to, but then gets killed, and then that's right. So then, Viz, the, the, I think just just before we do that, the important big thing that uh, Veers is now pretty clear on is oh, the I, fact that she is actually human. She's not Cree. She's, and she's a human called, called Carol, Carol Danvers. Danvers. And so yes. the Veers was the last bit of her badge, so her name So she badge. remembers that she's had a life on Earth. There's, That's right. She's got memories of her as a child and her going through boot camp and various other points in her life. So she's now realised that she wasn't just a Cree soldier who lost their yeah. memory. She was a human which was taken by the Crees. Yeah. And at the end of the crash, when she's trying to destroy this lightspeed engine, uh, it's Jude Law who walks out of the mist and confronts her. That's right. So there is a there is a switch there mm-hmm. when you realize because you have been on the side of Jude Law and the Cree, and actually that's the point at which you you, you start switching your allegiance. Yeah, I, I'd say it's debatable how well that works, but I think the film expects you to be on that side. I'm not entirely sure what the film's wanting at that point, but yeah, mm. I think that's reasonable. Anyway, there's it, it's it puts a new complexion in things. It does. The important point here is that Carol Danvers then tries to destroy the plane and because it's this super powerful plane, she actually mm-hmm. absorbs all the power from the yes. from the engine, which is where she had got this power from that, that the Cree were um, training her to, to control. Yeah. That's right. So then they go up to the space station where the yes. Skrull are, so where the refugees are that Lawson put them onto some sort of a hidden space station it was behind an invisibility cloak or something yep so carol's now working with talos and she's yep. got yeah fury and rambo along for the ride yep. as well and not only are the skull refugees on the space station or whatever it is but the tesseract is there and i recognize that right away as well yeah it is <laughs> 
Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's round about then that Carol Danvers takes the thing out of her neck. Yeah, Jude Law and his posse attack and threatening all of the Skrull refugees and Carol starts fighting back, I think. That's I think she so, just yeah, starts fighting lot, back straight away. There's a lot of fighting going on anyway, a lot of fighting and a lot of action. But at some point yeah. she takes a thing out of her neck, which means that her powers are massively increased. Yes. I think I think the idea is that this is the moment when you realise that it's actually a dampening chip that's stopping her from using her full potential as opposed to something which helps her control her powers, powers. or right. something that gave her her powers. And she now also knows that they didn't give her her powers in the beginning. Yeah, right. Um, so then she just starts fighting them all. And she's all powerful. And it's like, yep. you know, she's, uh, the power is kind of through her whole body and everything. And so the mm-hmm. big final action scene is this massive big fight between her and her former master. And she, Car- Captain Marvel she is by this time because she had changed all her outfit and all that. I forgot about that. She's, she's getting a proper Captain Marvel outfit. And she's so powerful that clearly she wins and she sends them all packing. Mm-hmm. Including, it wasn't actually nuclear warheads but it was something like that it was like what was it she she was so powerful that she was able to push these things back up into the sky yeah ronan and the accusers arrive and fire some space missiles at them and she pushes it back which was pretty cool that that was that was one of my favorite parts of the film i think that was just i think i said it at the time that's just superhero stuff that's just solid superhero stuff a strong superhero that can fly no that part is completely exempt from any problems that i have a a strong superhero that can fly pushing a missile back mid-air i'm always going to be on board with that's just it's just classic there's a bit of inconsistency here joe i don't know Wildly inconsistent, yeah. <laughs> but just, I don't know, there's something about that image that just makes me happy. It's it's kind of nostalgic. So anyway, so that's the big, because there's always a big final action scene, so that's the big final action scene with, with Captain Marvel in control over these full powers that she has. Mm-hmm. And and she manages to see the, the Kree off. Yep. She sends Jude Law back to their planet with a message that she's coming for the supreme intelligence next, so he'd best be on his toes. Right. There you go. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. essentially it. Then Nick Fury at she, the end. Uh, she, she modifies Nick Fury's pager mm-hmm. because they're, I mean, the career are clearly way more advanced than these puny little earthlings at this point. So yep. the technology is is still pretty basic and you know mm-hmm. we're in blockbuster video and old pay phones and things so. <laughs> and there's quite a wee bit of humour around that Yeah. so she modifies Nick Fury's very basic pager which is the one that we then see him dropping at the end of Infinity War um, it's true. because basically yes. that's how he can then get hold of her if yes. he needs to call her and so we finally see Nick Fury at his desk sorting out this new program and he changes it from whatever it was called before which i've forgotten the protector initiative the protector i think it was going to be called and he changes it to the avengers the yeah avengers. because her nickname was carol avenger danvers i think that was what was on her plane on her plane very good yes so so that have i missed out anything vital or is that I don't think anything vital, no. I think importantly, she gives him the pager and says to call her only in the case of an emergency. 
right. apparently nothing else that's happened on Earth has Not ever constituted an emergency before <laughs> Thanos literally <laughs> snapped his fingers. Ultron wasn't an emergency. The nuke being sent to New York and the aliens wasn't an emergency. The, uh, it's only the bit where it gets to Thanos that he thinks, okay, this is a bit of an emergency. Well, maybe he felt that the Avengers were dealing with it up until then. They were doing a good enough job. Maybe. And, and he, was, maybe. he was keeping her in his back pocket, so to speak. Hey, you know, <laughs> it's not for me to get inside the mind of Nick Fury. I'm sure he had a plan and he knew what was going on. Just seems a bit odd that none of that was an emergency beforehand. But that, yeah, fair enough. It, maybe in the first one he's wanting to sell the idea of the Avengers but definitely paints him in a different light if that's what he was trying to do you know mm-hmm. risking a lot of lives there i think yeah. if he if that was a conscious decision to not class that as something dangerous oh well maybe maybe so uh, some of it i did pick up on and some of it i found quite confusing and i i, I did yes. pick up on the kind of idea that you know what to so to what extent was her control and her powers to do with her control and her emotions, and and I think and I, I did actually say, okay, if she's Cree, she's clearly lived on Earth at some point, and so has she picked up a lot of emotion there, and is that ah, what's sure, interfering okay. with it? Yeah. But here it turns out it's the opposite that she is actually human, and in fact the the Cree the Cree just wiped her memory basically, so that she she didn't have memory of being human. Yes. So this is something that confused me a bit about how they structured the film, and I think it ties into a few different problems that the film has. I don't really know who that twist is for, because everyone that's a comic fan knows that Carol Danvers is from Earth anyway, so they're just waiting to see how they reveal it. All of the trailers show the bits of her on Earth growing up, so anyone who's seen the trailer will already know the quote unquote twist of the film yeah but and we all know that there are problems with trailers Joe that... there are problems with trailers that's true but then so I mean I, I was kind of watching it like okay I wonder how they're going to explain this is it going to be like knowing that I know and then it does like a second twist that you don't see coming because you think it's just going to be the one it is kind of just the one and I think it's kind of confusing if you don't know what that if you don't know Carol Danvers from the comics and everything there there are definitely a few points in the film when we were going okay so what's going on I I don't remember it being just a oh that's a thing like the moments always felt a little bit almost almost flat because you're still not entirely sure what's being revealed and if you're meant to have figured it out yet or not um I think it worked I mean I hadn't seen the trailers I didn't know that Carol Danvers grew up on earth I think that that worked fine. Worked fine for me because I, cle- I okay. understood the main concept, which was how you know emotion was interfering with the control of the power. Yes, and that could have been either way around. So it worked for me, and I think that that you know that that bit was all right. What didn't work for me though is yes, I couldn't I couldn't work out. I didn't know what this thing in her neck was supposed to be for. I completely missed that. If you yeah. said that at the beginning, I completely missed what this the point of the thing in her neck was supposed to be. It's quite subtle. I think the only time that they address it, they definitely don't say it explicitly out loud, this is what that thing in your neck is. But when she's talking to the Supreme Intelligence right at the beginning, it says, we gave you these powers, and then it cuts to a shot showing that on her neck. It glows a bit, and she kind of like reaches up and touches it uh, a little okay. bit. And then the Supreme Intelligence says, and we can take them away, and it glows again. So I think you're meant to go, meant oh, to this is like an implant that she's got. Right. But she is actually able just to rip it out anyway. Yeah, so I guess 
that whole thing was a bluff. They were just saying, we gave you these powers. You should feel really grateful to us and listen to everything that we do so that she didn't realize that she had all of the power all all along. They were trying to keep her suppressed. Right. So what was that thing in her night doing then? It genuinely might have been doing... No, no, it was doing something. I I think... (laughs) I, no, it was suppressing her powers because when she took oh, it, was, it out, oh, yes, of course it that's was. when yes. she could fly. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I knew that. I knew that. I knew, I knew that. <laughs> so, that, yeah, they they were trying to control her with it, like you say, and th- that theme of control and controlling emotions specifically is another one of those things that just... I, I don't want to just be going on a negative point-to-point thing for this film because, again, like I say, <laughs> there are good parts in it, but it's another one of those bits that doesn't really work for me that much because i i think they try and sell that as the main theme of the film i might be maybe maybe mm. i'm missing something that's more obvious but the the controlling the emotions thing comes up quite a few times right yeah uh well i thought it was okay i thought it was quite good i thought it just fitted in with it is she human or is she Cree? you know yeah I, and where, does the, the, where thing... does the emotion come from yes I, I think it's got some good ideas with it i like the idea of they're keeping they're telling her to control these emotions in order to control her. There's a nice kind of parallel there, and it's it's to foster self-doubt within her and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also pretty fair to say that that's probably a, a social commentary thing where men tell women to, that they're being too emotional and that they need to control their emotions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I, yes, I did wonder whether there was an undercurrent of that as well. Was yeah. that deliberate? I think it probably was deliberate that this was a male trainer telling her, yes. you've got to control your emotions. And I, I yeah, that's a cool side of it. I think the part that I don't really, that, that doesn't hit home hard enough is that I don't think we're ever really shown that she has trouble doing that. I mean, I guess the idea is just that even though she doesn't really have trouble doing it, they're still telling her, which again might be a bit of a social commentary thing, but mm-hmm. it might also just be showing how insidious their mind control type stuff is, that mm-hmm. they just keep on feeding her this self-doubt. But as the character that is meant to express the theme of you know, eventually letting free your emotions and, you know, struggling to control her emotions the whole way through, she doesn't really seem to have that much trouble with it. She's pretty straight-laced throughout the majority of the film. She's kind of, like, snarky and quippy with people. She's clearly got a good sense of humour, but she pretty much just goes about her day-to-day business with a, you know, in a pretty standard way. She moves from one point to the other, making good tactical decisions the whole way through. I I think if they were trying to really make the main theme controlling the emotions versus not controlling the emotions and her finding that her power Mm. comes from letting her own emotions free and being who she wants to be they could have maybe set up some conflict with her having trouble with that at the beginning where maybe yeah you know on on the little mission she messes up the mission the mission isn't just an ambush that none of them could have seen coming and they had to get caught maybe she actually doesn't control her emotions well gets the squad captured maybe one of the squad members dies and that's how you know she gets put on the skull skull ship so you can see like ah the fact that she can't control her emotions is part of you know Uh it's a flaw that she needs to overcome and then it's like nice when it switches it around and goes no it's not a flaw it's part of who i am and it's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether they needed to make any more of it anyway. So maybe we do disagree in that point. I just thought it was a maybe it, it was feeding into the issue human issue curl. They also could have gone in a direction that they didn't go in, which was to make it more like gaslighting. You know, to, yeah. to really undermine her, and they didn't. They didn't go that way, really. I think that was the yeah. Whilst saying that, I was kind of 
semi-realising, oh, yeah, maybe the idea is that she doesn't have trouble with it. So it is like mm-hmm. gaslighting, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just, it, if it is that, it's quite subtle. Mm-hmm. I think, like you say, they didn't focus in on it too much or make yeah. it clear that's what they were going for. Yeah. And for the thing that I think is the central theme of the film, it just, it, it feels a little bit unsatisfying at certain points. I think also at the end when she's facing off against Jude Law and she's now got her full power set and everything, she's clearly outmatching him. He doesn't stand mm-hmm. a chance, essentially. He does this thing where he's he's shouting at her like, I told you that the day that you really get there is the day that you can beat me hand to hand without the powers. Prove it to me. And he starts screaming at her like, prove it to me. <laughs> and he's the character that represents controlling your emotions yeah. And then she very, very calmly just blasts him and says, I don't need to prove anything to you. And she's the character that represents the theme of freeing your emotions. And just neither of them are really doing their thematic <laughs> job at that point very well. But that was so satisfying. It was a good moment, but it was a good moment in a film it. that doesn't focus entirely on that as the core theme. And I don't know, like have her be like really really wild with like how she goes about things have her come up no, with but, mad John, that plans was just that a might device. not work but that was just a device on, on their part that was the that was a Cree device just to control her was to to try and make out that that this was her controlling their emotions it didn't actually matter if if that was true or not it was just their way of I suppose, trying to trying to keep her down do you not think that the kind of moment where she takes it off it's kind of like a catharsis of being free, no longer having to mm-hmm. control yourself and your emotions and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that if that's meant to be like a nice, she now doesn't have to do this controlling thing that you know people always says that no, always say main, that she has to do. The main point of that moment wasn't that she didn't need to control her emotions. The main point of that was, oh, look at this! I've got even more powers I never knew I had, and they were trying, they were suppressing them all. That was the main point of it. Wasn't it actually to do with this theme of controlling emotions or not? It's it's fair. I might be confusing a couple of different themes there. If so, then maybe this is just slightly above my level of film analytics as just a guy that watches films and has no actual <laughs> understanding of this. But no, that's I, me. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. It's fair that I might just be getting two themes mixed up, but yeah. something about that has just always felt a bit odd to me when I'm when I'm watching it. If anything, I think that might be down to the bad influence of trailers. Don't watch trailers or don't know anything about it because I clearly didn't have the same problems with it as you did. Maybe. So you're going back to the point that we were talking about just before the mm-hmm. kind of thematic stuff and everything with the the way that the plot reveals who mm-hmm. she is the the trailers definitely don't do a great job at that because they give you all of those flashbacks mm. and everything but i think that links into my other and this is just my only other big thing about the film <laughs> that is a problem it's the film makes this deal of you know suppressing your emotions and they've wiped her memory in order to try and do this and instead of just trying to set that up as a twist it might have been nice to see carol danvers when she was younger see her grow up 
and you know struggle with these things like asshole guys that are telling her that she should smile more and everything and you know people booing her at the boot camp telling her that she's not good enough seeing her fun loving side seeing her relationship with rambo and everything and then when that gets taken away from you potentially in like a midpoint twist or something like that and then she's acting completely differently you're suddenly going oh whoa what's going on these guys they've taken they've taken carol's entire personality they've taken her memories what's going on here and it might have had more stakes her meeting back up with rambo might have had a bit more an emotional impact if you'd seen them interact before rather than just in brief kind of mm. flashbacky type things i just mm. I, I think the fact that the time that you're introduced to her is after years of Cree mind manipulation and emotion suppression and telling her to be a soldier and nothing else. It's it's just, it's a bit of a difficult way to get to know the character. Yeah, but this isn't the space of one film, Joe. We had three films for, for Iron Man. It's, it's true, but I, I think this Thor. is... It's, that's um, very true, but I think it's more of a restructuring thing. I think you just set the beginning of the film as the flashbacks. Just have it be more chronological, and then you get to know her... And then, you know... Don't you get a bit of that? Don't you get a bit of that for falling in the sand and stuff? And, and... You, you do, but it's it's only through flashbacks. And mm-hmm. at the point where she is Captain Marvel, Carol, Carol mm-hmm. Danvers is in present day, has her powers and everything, most of her interactions with other people come down to being extremely confident rightly so and kind of having like a kind of sardonic snarky type of type of humor where she takes the mick out of people a bit or anything or like plays a little joke on them and everything but it's it's not really the type of things that you get to see in the flashback it seems like it's implying that she was different beforehand and that she's her personality has changed based on what the Kree have done to her and i think it's just Mm. no you're you're, you're shaking your head i'm not getting that at all no. Um, okay. No, no, I think I think maybe this is one point where we do differ on it. Actually, I think. Yeah. I think as the first film, the first film with me, this particular superhero, I thought it, it did a decent enough job as of, of setting her up. Her personality. You 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 don't think that her personality has it's come just... through strongly enough? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> or it's not clear what her personality is, or that her personality is not credible. I don't really know. It's just there are a few things that didn't really sit very well with me during it. It's like the there's that bit earlier on in the film where there's the sexist guy on the motorbike and then she takes the motorbike from him. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, OK, fair dues. They set up that that guy was an arsehole. Superheroes steal vehicles all the time. It's how they get around and stuff. She also takes a bunch of clothes from the mannequin. And you're like, OK, I, I can see this. Like she's eyes on the goal. She's focusing on what she's doing and stuff. And then the very next scene is her meeting up with Nick Fury in the bar. And they've got to prove to each other that they're not scrolls. So uh-huh. she asks him questions that, you know, from his childhood and things that a scroll couldn't make up and all of this. And then he asks her to prove that she isn't a scroll, a scroll. And she destroys the jukebox in the bar. She just blasts out a photon beam and absolutely explodes this jukebox. And you're like, okay, so the guy with the motorbike, he was a dick. He was sexist to you he deserves to have his motorbike stolen. I think I'm on board with that. The guy that runs the bar hasn't done anything. That was just a bit of an <laughs> asshole thing to do. That was just... That wasn't very likeable. And it's not very likeable. I think... No, okay. I th- I, well, see, this is the thing, but I, I think... I had this conversation with someone a while ago, and they said, but isn't Iron Man also an asshole? Like, couldn't you just as reasonably say you shouldn't like Iron Man because Iron Man is it does all of these, you know, 
stuck up much worse stuff. prickish things. Yeah, much much worse stuff and everything. But I don't think the film is ever on his side. I think when you're watching Iron Man and he's being a horrible womanizer or he's getting pissed at his own party and making an idiot of himself or being incredibly rude to someone. The film isn't like, yeah, and how great is that? The film is like, look at these character flaws that Tony will eventually, hopefully, overcome. Don't don't you dislike this version of Tony? Won't it be satisfying when we get to the end and he's learned a little bit of, <laughs> you know, he's grown a little bit. And But the film in this one, like, Nick Fury doesn't even say... Hey, why did you destroy that that jukebox? Or like, go to the guy and like, hey, sorry about the jukebox, and like, give him a, give him mm. some cash or something. It's just a, the film seems kind of fine with her doing that type of stuff to people. Well, that was one thing, and maybe that one thing didn't come off. But I don't think that had a major impact on the character or the film. Actually, I think I just. I mean, it was maybe shorthand, it, it, and it was maybe quite lazy shorthand. And they were playing it for laughs or whatever. I think the main issue that I was having was just I was struggling to get a clear idea of who she was. And normally you get, you know, the, the I, I, for some reason, this is the first thing that popped into my head. But you get like an I want song in a musical. <laughs> I think it's generally the second song in a musical is the hero's I want song. And it just says their goals and what they're like and you get an idea of their personality. <laughs> and then soon you get the villain's I want song and everything and you know, find out what they're like and stuff. And that's why Hamilton is so great because the I want song for the villain comes late in the second act or something. <laughs> but I just, I couldn't get a clear idea of what she was about. For so much of the film, she's just following the mission. She was a and she was a pilot. Her and Rambo were pilots. They were there was a bit right at the start that said they don't let us fly the missions. That's why we have to fly the 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 trial ones, the the yeah. prototype flights or whatever they call it. They, they, they had set that up. But I think they had see, set see, but it that's, up. That's Carol Danvers before she became Captain Marvel that had that goal. Where mm-hmm. I feel like the person that you're watching has completely different priorities. Like, she has to be told this information because her goals and motivations are just completely antithetical. Well, not antithetical, but they're almost unrelated to that at that point because she barely remembers her time on Earth as a human. Like Mm -hmm. I say, I I do think she acts a little bit differently. Maybe it's just because they cherry-picked very specific memories. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the bar ones in particular and, like, the scenes that show her and Rambo Maybe it's just that she's more comfortable with Rambo and stuff. And so she's, mm. you know, when they're walking down the airstrip, they're like joking around a little bit more. But I just couldn't get a very clear idea of what her morals and what her values and everything were. It, it, I just generally, I feel like I get a clearer impression of that from a film. Hmm. Right. Okay. I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really getting this, Joe. So I think this is the point in the podcast where you do a little cut of music and it goes, did, 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 and then we start on another one. So one of the other things that we did speak a little bit about before actually recording this was something which came up right towards the end. There's the bit where Carol is falling from the sky she she gets tal uh, not talos jude law kicks her off the spaceship and she starts falling and you're like oh no what's going to happen yeah. and then she starts flying around because she's got all of her powers and you said is, is she a bird, bird? Is, is she a plane, a plane? is it a bird yes. is it a plane yeah and i said you're closer to the mark with that yeah. than you think <laughs> <laughs> so 
this is a smaller point, and it's what you were talking about earlier. It, it I, I think it's actually fine in this film, but it has, it's got worrying implications if Marvel doesn't handle the character right from now on. The... I don't know if this has a name. I don't know if me and my mates have coined this. I don't know if this is even a specific enough phrase to <laughs> say coining. We call it the Superman problem whenever something like this happens. The Superman problem is he's just he's he's overpowered. Nothing can hurt him. And by extension, pretty much any scene with Superman in it becomes a bit less interesting because Superman can just sort it out. Do everything. I think can it, turn the earth yeah. in its axis. Or he literally turns back time in yeah. one of the Superman films yeah. because he flies around the world so quickly. Yeah. But any fight scene with Superman in it is boring because him punching someone of equal power level to him and them punching him leads to absolutely nothing happening. They can punch each other through a building and you can cut that punch out and the fight would be exactly the same because they don't take damage and they don't expend any energy on doing the punches either so their their health stays hmm. the same and their ability to do damage oh. stays the same <laughs> group scenes become less interesting because you're thinking well superman's here we probably don't really need you here green arrow you can probably go home because <laughs> superman is here and it just kind of it makes the writers have to go into this strange place where instead of using everyone's fun powers in conjunction with each other in interesting combinations and ways, they have to start coming up with ways to take people's powers away to level the playing field and so that Superman doesn't solve all of the problems. In this film, Carol essentially becomes indestructible by the end. She's flying around in space, she gets shot with spaceship lasers and barely notices. So she seems completely fine with that. Then she just smashes through a ship. She stops even punching. She just uses the rest of her body. And I think <laughs> in this film, it does work well because it's that nice moment of catharsis where she's let everything free and it's like a cool, yeah. yeah. And then she gets she goes up and looks at Ronan through the little spaceship and she does the cool thing where she punches her hands together and it's like a cosmos blast comes out <laughs> and you're like, what was that? And it's just, you know. Yeah, I thought you would her, love all that stuff, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in general, I think it, it works well in this film. But I remember leaving and going, oh, she is significantly more powerful than anyone else we've seen is in the MCU. Is she significantly more powerful than, than Thor? Well, I think the thing is, Thor is shown to have pretty significant weaknesses. And some of those are character weaknesses. He's way too overconfident about stuff. He comes up with <laughs> brash plans and doesn't do things correctly. Yeah, but in terms and of his, his also, might, of his power. In, in terms of his might, he just straight up could not beat Hela. He got his full God of Thunder mode oh, okay. on and everything. And he was just, he was completely outmatched. He had to but, win through his cunning and everything. But that and was fighting before, with his friends. That was before he visited the death, the dying planet and get the forge and, reignited <laughs> and get his new weapon. It was before all that. That's wasn't true. It? But at the same time, I think. I might have just read this wrong at the time. I thought that the implication was that he kind of caught Thanos by surprise. And the only real reason that he managed to get that there is because Thanos blasted, he like just saw the axe coming, blasted a laser, which he assumed would be able to take care of it. And and Thor managed to get his uh, his new axe through the laser beam. I, I, don't, I didn't see that as them going, now Thor is objectively more powerful than Thanos with all of the Infinity Stones. I thought that well, was just Thanos couldn't react in time. So the next thing, though, is... Are they not setting 
Captain Marvel up as at least somebody who is approaching the level of power that would be needed to give Thanos a decent fight. So that's that's pretty much what everyone was thinking at the time. Hmm. You kind of cottoned onto the the <laughs> general fan sentiment, which was they've clearly put this film in. And I mean, it's pretty clear from when Nick presses the button that she's going to be a pretty heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. the, everyone was going, okay, so she could probably go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Thanos then. And is, that's probably what it's building up to. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the worry there was if the playing field is Captain Marvel and Thanos and then everyone else underneath that, it's ever so slightly unsatisfying to have the entire series' main villain beaten or fought or, you know, mainly contested against a new character that's been introduced one film before the end. It's... it's well, you know, well, I don't know what's coming next, so... Um... Well, this is... Yeah, it's difficult to talk about this. But <laughs> that, that, was, that was the worry at the time, I think. Right. You know, okay. people have spent... 20 films with Iron Man. They want to see Iron Man involved in stuff. And if there's yeah. just a whole level of power tiers which just have two people on it above everyone else in the MCU, yeah, but there that can get a bit worrying. Happen. Anything could happen in the next Anything could hour. happen. That's, that's, <laughs> to say that's in very old. true. <laughs> Iron Man is also going to shoot a light speed engine and yeah, he gets Or something could well, happen yeah. to her powers that, that, you know, she could be restricted in some way. And that's the Superman problem because right. you don't you get to, to have the, the fun bit there, where okay. Thor hits Iron Man's suit and Iron Man's suit gets really charged up and blasts out a more powerful being. Fun combinations. You have to find ways to stop your characters okay. from being as cool as they possibly could. And just to clarify, Vision does have this problem as well, which is why in fight scenes that include Vision, he normally isn't shown very frequently. He barely gets any screen time in the airport fight in Civil War. Mm. And in Infinity War, the two fight scenes that he's involved in, he starts off by getting stabbed by a staff which takes his powers away. So this is this uh -huh. is a problem that they have, okay. and the things where they take away the powers are never particularly good cinema, in my opinion, because I'd rather see them at the top of their game fighting. Maybe that's an issue that you can't get away with when you use it too often, but... I didn't, mm. it, it, it didn't bother me as much as it clearly bothers you. But again, I it, don't know what's just, coming again, next. Um, and, to and, clarify, it doesn't bother me in this film. I think it works right. really well in this film because you, just, you want that moment where she's just burning yeah. through stuff and I think it's cool. It, mm -hmm. It's more potential worry if they don't handle it well in the future, okay. I think. Uh, but I have to say, I, do, I appreciate the point you're making. I do actually mm. appreciate the point that and I think you've said so in, in one of the previous episodes of the podcast that one of the reasons why you really like the Avengers is that they're not perfect. You know that that yes, they absolutely that, that they have they have failings and they have foibles, and you can imagine mm -hmm. you know that, that that you know you are a character that you know you know. Uh, having similar failings and it, it's a yeah, you're, you're kind yeah. of overcoming they're things despite people. that yeah they're, they're fully they grow absolutely yeah. yeah 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 so i so i appreciate the point you're making but as i say it didn't bother me in this film sure to briefly round that <laughs> off talking about the flaws and everything that you were just talking about i think th there are a couple of ways that you can do it and those these were the things that i was thinking of going forwards there are ways that you can make your character too powerful and have fun flaws and there are ways that you can make them too powerful and have boring, stupid flaws, like Superman's flaws. 
Vision, who I spoke about a little bit earlier, he has good little flaws where people can do little stuff to distract him, take his mind off things, and gain the upper hand briefly. Hawkeye hits him with the electricity arrows and everything. Scarlet Witch can, like, control the stone a little bit and stuff. And, you know, th- there are ways that he is beatable without having to be stabbed by the staff, okay. which he has to have in Infinity War. Superman's one is Kryptonite, which is, again... The laziest, most boring (laughs) plot device ever. Superman goes from the strongest thing to literally not being able to stand if kryptonite is there. And there is no middle ground. And that middle ground is where 99% of interesting things in the world comes. So my main thing was I hope that they can find some middle ground and not just have the equivalent of kryptonite for Captain Marvel. Because yeah, okay, Superman. <laughs> Hear your point. <laughs> Fair point, well made. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well made for far too long. <laughs> well, you're the editor. <laughs> your job. Your job, Joe. So there was also good stuff in the film. Should we talk about some of the things that we both liked? <laughs> <laughs> no, I always want to talk about the thing I didn't like, which was the stupid cat. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, really... let's just stay on bad stuff for a second longer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that... I, I did like parts of the films, guys, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> what was okay. the problem with the cat? Oh, it was just stupid. It was a, it was a stupid plot device. It was there for humour, really, I guess, more than anything, and um, and it, yep. it just didn't work. And I didn't like I didn't like the the way Fury fawned over it. That didn't work either. You know. I think it could have been okay if he did it a bit less. But I agree, it's it's a bit too much, and it leads to potentially the biggest mistake they've ever made when writing the MCU with having the stupid little cat scratch his eye out. I... Oh, right, that being the reason for <sighs> Nick Fury's <gasps> absolutely. I hate absolutely. that moment. So much. But I would it rather not have known. Guts. Yeah. I would rather so much known. rather not have known. It, yeah. He has that amazing line in The Winter Soldier where he's like, the last time I trusted someone, uh, you got to keep your eyes on me. I can't remember exactly what he says, <laughs> but he's, the last time I trusted someone, this happened or something. He points to his thing and then it's got the cool payoff later on where he scans his dead eye and it, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's just awesome and you're like oh what happened nick like what happened did you go and like was it like your partner was it like your your romantic partner or like mission partner that betrayed you were you on like a secret assignment somewhere like were you, oh, were you wearing like a trench coat when you did it i'd, I'd like to see that and then they show it and it's he holds a dangerous creature that multiple people have told him is extremely dangerous multiple times. He has seen as dangerous multiple times, and he just holds it close to his face, shakes it around, and makes loud noises. And it's just, uh, man, what uh, a way to make him less cool. Yeah. So let's say no more about a stupid cat called Goose. Yeah. Okay, give us some nice positive things then, Joe. <laughs> Having just talked about how much we didn't like the ending to Nick Fury in this film, uh, I think their relationship is cool. I think the buddy cop dynamic between uh-huh. yep. uh, Captain Marvel and Nick Fury is fun. Yep. I think their quips back and forth are fun. Yeah. I think uh, it, it's nice to see someone kind of going toe to toe with Nick. He's always kind of in control in present day. Uh-huh. So I think it's nice seeing him on the back foot because he's young and inexperienced and also just in way over his head and her just kind of like confidently taking him down a peg. I, uh-huh. I think that's fun. 
connected to the body cop thing. I love it when he takes a he takes his ID and then he takes a piece of sellotape and oh. puts the sellotape <laughs> on the ID and gets a fingerprint. <laughs> I love I love old that type of thing. Old school, yeah. the best. And then yeah. he says old school. And it's like yeah, that's awesome <laughs> spy stuff. So that was all fun. The whole body copish type of element mm-hmm, to it, mm-hmm. I think, was good. Going through old record rooms. The fight at the beginning, with, when she had the big metal cylinders on her hands. Oh, yeah. Thought that was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was just, it, it had some creative choreography. Thought that yes. was good. Yes, I, yes, yes, I even enjoyed that as a, an action <laughs> scene, and it wasn't too long. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it provides such a great, like, mid-beat in the action scene where they come off and then she can start blasting whoa, as well yeah. but then she blasts a hole in the ship and it's like oh whoa like that, it just yeah really really nicely written fight scene there i've got the end catharsis which we've spoken about i did really like that moment and the bit where she does the cosmos fist thing yeah. bumping her fist together there's a name yeah, yeah. for that right i don't know that was just cool and the character design i think the design of like Captain Marvel in general is awesome. When she's all glowing with the you know cosmos powers around her and stuff, when she first takes the thing off and she's just standing there looking like a supernova, I think that's just uh, such an awesome superhero design. It was a very it was a very good scene. It wasn't quite as awesome as um, Thor descending from the heavens with his newly powerful axe, but that's it, true, was a, yeah. it, it was a it was a it was a very. Um... <laughs> what was that? That was like an <laughs> octopus motion. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say empowering, but that's not the right word. It was a, it, it was a very imposing, oh imposing, awe-inspiring. Uh, yeah, I think those uh, are fair. Imposing is good. Let's go with imposing. I think the thing is, the Thor moment was largely like stylistic. Like the whole uh-huh. background went dark, and it was all to do with like lighting yeah, yeah, yeah. As, and like the motion as well as just the design. I just think that when she's got Cosmos powers around her, Captain Marvel looks awesome. Yes. The visuals, the visuals are very powerful. Yes. Yeah. How about you? Are, are there any points that we haven't gotten to that you enjoyed? And um, I quite liked the nostalgia stuff. I thought it was funny, you know. Oh yeah. Blockbuster, blockbuster videos and yeah. I, I need some communications equipment. And he mm. points to what was it? What was it he points to Radio like, Shack. Yeah, Radio Shack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there I, were the Game Boys that you pointed oh, out when she was at the, the payphone. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. So it was that. Yeah, that's pure nostalgia, and it's it's you know very easy to do, but it's that's nostalgia's fun. So I, I like those wee touches. <laughs> I agree with you. Nostalgia is fun. They do it well in this film. <laughs> One last thing I liked about it as well was the tribute to Stan Lee. Yes, who yeah. had clearly died just before the film came out. He died during the editing of this film, yeah. Ah, right, okay. But the the opening title scene, it was really lovely, wasn't it? Had, yeah, a little a little montage of of uh, of Stan's cameos in in, in a lot yeah. of films. I just thought that was a really touching tribute to him. It was the famous Marvel logo yeah. thing with all of the comic pages, but showing him and. All of the different cameos that he's had throughout the years. It was really, really lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, just so you know, even though he died during the editing of this film, he did actually have a bunch of cameos in the bank. So it's not the last Stanley cameo that okay. we'll see. This was just the one in which, yeah. you know, the, the yeah. film that he didn't get to see the theatrical release yeah. of. Okay. But yes, a nice touching tribute there at the beginning. Yeah. Well said, Mum. Yeah. 
so with that said, shall we talk about the end credit scene and the way that it quite nicely leads into the next film that we're going to be watching, Mum? What happened midway yeah. through the credits? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we see the pager. We see Captain Marvel's pager being held by an electronic arm. Wow, the, your recollection of this is amazing, Mum. It's it's almost like we just watched it. It's <laughs> almost like you couldn't remember what it was, and we had to pause the podcast recording. You've, you've revealed. Watch <laughs> You've revealed my secret. I could not remember what the end credit scene was at all. <laughs> Even when you tried to prompt me and remind me, and I thought maybe I missed it out or something. So we have just watched it again, and in fact, so we've got Captain America, we've got Natasha, mm-hmm. we've got mm-hmm. Rhodey, and we've got Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all looking at the pager which has stopped sending out a signal and they're worried they never yes. knew what it was but they knew that fury said knew it was important so they're a bit concerned about what this is and natasha says send a signal to that i want to see who's on the other end of it and she turns around and there's <laughs> captain marvel saying where's fury <laughs> she said it in a little bit of a cooler voice she says that. but yeah <laughs> where's fury <laughs> there you go. That's, that's what it is that's did you just play that sound Marvel. clip out of your phone mum that was uncanny yeah so mm. so setting us up for end game everything's yeah. been setting us up now for end game everyone's in the room together it looks like apart from of course yeah. Tony apart and Nebula, from half of them. on Titan yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, next week we are actually actually this time finally mm. going to watch the proper climax of the mcu it's end game this is what everything wow. has been building towards so far yep so is this just round two with thanos then it's called infinity war part two electric boogaloo semicolon round two with thanos <laughs> 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 but they, they most people shorten that down to end game but that's just a fan <laughs> title Oh, mum, I'm excited. This is yeah. this is exciting for a number of reasons. It's it's kind of the culmination of the MCU. There's one little film afterwards, but it's more of like a palate mm. cleansing type thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of so many things come to a head in this. This is very much like the big one that made a really really big impact. It's it's also yeah. I think the highest grossing one in the MCU. One of the highest grossing films of all time. I'm pretty oh, sure. I would, yes, I would imagine. Again, like like for Infinity War, the hype for this film was amazing. And you've got to remember, we waited a year. We didn't just wait a it few a months year. for this. Okay. It was a year oh. in between Infinity War and Endgame. So okay. That's quite clever got... in a way. That's building yeah. up the anticipation. That, that I know, is good I marketing. <laughs> it was. But man, that year was rough. For <laughs> the main reason, because we had to wait for Endgame. So... For the listeners, thank you very much for being along with us on this journey. You've got probably two weeks. I'd say we're we're pretty good at the fortnightly schedule, he says, when the episode is clearly <laughs> going to come out a month later. You've got probably a fortnight to wait for this film. Mum, we could actually just have a couple of days to wait before this film. We can just yeah. record this before I've edited. We, I think we might just want to dive in. Who knows? Oh, we'll figure that out. But whilst oh, we're figuring that out, if you can't wait for it, then please email the show at mymummissedmarvel at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at mummissedmarvel. Or you can have a look for us on Facebook by typing in My Mum Missed Marvel, where we have some lovely posts relating to the different films and photos from our lives sometimes. <laughs> And we're still keeping Instagram going, although nobody's really quite sure why. 
If you'd like to see what the exclusive one picture that's going to sum up <laughs> Captain Marvel is, then be sure to sign into that. What is it, Mum? I haven't even found one for summing up Ant-Man and the Wasp yet. Oh, that was a while Suggestions, ago. Suggestions, please. Out. I know. Suggestions, please. <laughs> have you said the handle of the Instagram mum? My mum, Miss Marrell. Ah, okay, cool. We got it. Nice. It's, it's almost like no one has chosen our long quite, I know. name. It's quite, it's quite a good marketing technique. Use the name of your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, us. <laughs> and also, well done, mum. And. Well done, Joe. Good job, Joe. David's. Oh, better late than never. Better late than never. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. You have been listening to My Mum Missed Marvel, created by and starring Joe Walker and Aileen Walker, edited by Joe Walker, music by Kevin Chute, and graphics by Alex Carby. So, with that. Shall so, we move on to uh, the do we end need to say something? Yeah, oh, sorry, say that again. <laughs> do we need to hold on, Joe? Stop introducing the end credit scene. Let's talk about the end credit scene. Let's talk about the next film, and I was going to say we've not done the end credit scene yet. <laughs>